This episode of the GCSAA podcast is presented in partnership with Bayer, a company committed to providing technical expertise and innovative solutions that maximize turf quality and make superintendents' jobs easier. For more on the company and its offerings in the golf industry, visit environmentalscience.bear.us and look for the Turf and Ornamentals Management tab at the top of the page. As always, our thanks to Bear for their long-running support of this podcast. Well, it's that time again. We are back for another episode of the GCSAA podcast, episode number 41. I'm Scott Hollister, the editor-in-chief of Golf Course Management Magazine, and your host for this podcast, and I'm grateful that you've downloaded and are listening to this episode. On this episode, we are going to once again dive into the growing women in turf movement and more specifically, talk about Women's Golf Day 2022, which is June 7th. We're examining examining all of this as part of a special partnership between GCSAA and John Deere that includes a story on the topic that you can read on the GCM website at gcmonline.com. And to get into this topic today on the podcast, we're excited to introduce you to one of the real up-and-coming women in golf course management, and that's Laura Beth Catterson. Laura Beth is the Assistant Director of Agronomy at Hillcrest Country Club in Los Angeles. She's a five-year member of GCSAA who previously spent time as a spray tech and superintendent's apprentice at Los Angeles Country Club. She's been super active in a wide array of industry professional development programs and events, has some ambitious plans for her career, and it was really fun to sit down and talk with and learn more about Laura Beth Catterson, our guest on this episode of the GCSAA podcast. Before we get going, I'd like to ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the GCSA podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Doing that really does help others with similar interests find us, so please take the time to do that if you can. And as an added bonus, diving into the GCSAA podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, Google, or Stitcher also gets you access to all 40 previous episodes of the podcast, including our most recent with Craig Kirby, the CEO and founder of Golf, My Future, My Game. So with that, let's go. This is episode 41 of the GCSAA podcast with Laura Beth Catterson on the occasion of Women's Golf Day 2022. Hope you enjoy. Well, uh, excited today to uh, be joined by Laura Beth Catterson. Laura Beth is the Assistant Director of Agronomy at Hillcrest Country Club in Los Angeles, uh, she's been there since April of 2019. Previously, uh, did a stint at LA Country Club and a graduate of Rutgers um, with a bachelor in plant science, horticulture, and turf. They they offer that's like a whole combination in one, all wrapped up into one uh, degree. <laughs> yeah, because there's three different parts of the degree. Because you could do, um, oh, sorry, plant breeding. Plant breeding. Plant breeding. Okay. It's like another sector of it. Well, that's great. Well, they're, they're giving you a well-rounded education there. Um, yeah. And um, most notably, uh, Laura Beth is sporting a relatively new last name um, and uh, formerly Laura Beth West and recently married to someone else in the business, correct? Correct. Yeah. Big yeah. competition. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got a got a fun little question for you at the end about that. But uh, husband is uh, Dan Catterson, and Dan uh, is uh, at Los Angeles Country Club, 
uh, where you spent some time. And I'm assuming that is where you, maybe you met. Um, yes. And um, what is what's uh, what's Dan's role at, at LACC? Dan is the superintendent of the North Course. Okay. Uh, that is in the North Course is the most recently uh, renovated, uh, the one that Gilhans uh, and his crew did. Is that right? Uh, Gilhans did that one, but the South Course is the one more recently done. Okay, more recently. So, well, we've done a lot of work here recently, and obviously, as we, uh, well, the listener doesn't know this, but as we record this, um, this this will appear in June. But as we record this, we're uh, on the eve of the PGA Championship down at Southern Hills, and so I'm sure you uh, spent some time with uh, with Russ Myers and uh, and Chris Wilson, uh, who took over for Russ when he came back to Tulsa, doing a lot of work, and uh, myself and our uh, media relations uh, person at GCSA are off to uh, uh, off to Tulsa. So, got a lot of good stories. Um, none about Dan or you, so don't worry. Uh, Russell was, Russ was very good about all that. So, but I really, I really appreciate you taking some time to join us today, Laura Beth, and and for the listeners' um, uh, edification, uh, wanted to reach out to uh, to a woman in turf um, because June seventh is Women's Golf Day uh, in the United States, and uh, GCM and GCSA in uh, in partnership with John Deere uh, is is providing some content. Um, to kind of focus attention on the role of women in the turf grass industry. So um, really appreciate you joining for this and kind of being a willing, uh, willing participant so we can, uh, we can shed a spotlight uh, on that. But, but to start, I, I guess I'll ask you, you a little bit of your origin story. Um, you know, where did you grow up? Uh, what did your parents do? And what do you recall about your first interest in turf grass and in the game of golf? So I am from Long Beach Island, New Jersey. And my Parents, my dad um, used to do construction, ironworking, and my mom's a little bit of a master craftsman, does everything, uh, makes bags for decoys, uh, duck decoys for duck hunters. And she can do the bolt upholstery and make the covers for boats, does all that kind of stuff. Um, She's incredible. So I didn't really have any exposure to golf. My family, my mom and dad met on a fishing boat because my mom's family fishes. So I spent my younger years fishing and closest thing that was uh golf on Long Beach Island was mini golf in the summers (laughs) (laughs) so we did that but not until I got to college and I was pursuing a genetics degree and I had this goal to want to work in the lab and after being in a lab I realized I didn't want to do that it was very mundane and just I was closed in So I was exposed to some of the turf grass opportunities there. And that's when I started learning about like golf courses and all these different things about that. And I just felt like there were so many different aspects to it that it was so intriguing to me. And I kind of made the switch and I never really stepped foot on a golf course until I arrived to LACC for my orientation. (laughs) Did did you go in? thinking you wanted golf or were you open to say a sports turf opportunity or uh, uh, sound like you may have already uh, said no to the research side of it, but um, uh, were you specifically looking at golf? Yes. Only because once I got into it, um, I knew I needed to go get some experience before I did much else. And only from what I was learning in school, a sports field versus a golf course, a sports field just seemed like it wasn't going to be enough for me. Not enough, not enough stimulation. I don't right. know. Cause I've never done it, but I just felt like the golf course had a lot more opportunity to, you know, kind of keep me going. Have you started to play the game at all since, since you uh, made that move? 
Yeah, a little bit. Um, my husband plays and I did get clubs and I've gone to the driving range and I had to play a few holes on the north course before I was allowed to do course setup because I had to understand a little bit more. But it's very tough. It is a very tough game. And I have a lot of respect for it. And I understand how it's supposed to be played and ball roll and things of that nature. But I do need to get out and a couple of the uh, pros at Hillcrest have offered me lessons. And Matt Mullenbrook, my current director, he said that you need to learn how to play. <laughs> so I need to learn. <laughs> well, I, I've played since the, before high school and uh, uh, a little less in recent years and in, in some stretches. And it is a, they say it's a game for a lifetime because you never, ever master it. And yeah. uh, uh, I remain terrible until I'm not. And then I think I'm really good and I can, can keep playing, but I'm, I'm sure that that story is pretty common among most people um, who, uh, who pick up the game. Was, was there ever a point um, where you, uh, you noticed that you were, as a woman in in this industry, um, early on in those educational days, that you were a bit of an anomaly. Was there any ever has any hesitation uh, on your part about you know pursuing this uh, this business because it is so uh, male dominated? No, and um, I think part of that is I I have seven brothers. I grew up with seven brothers. I'm the only girl, so it was kind of always just like normal to me and when I got into school and when I was taking my turf classes, it was very small. There was like 14 students. I was one of the uh, women in undergrad. There wasn't that many other ones. And there was graduate students in some of our classes. So one or two graduate students and a lot of them were pursuing plant breeding. And even when I got to LACC, Patty Reedy was the superintendent of the South Course and Fiorenza Sitchikoli was there as well as an AI apprentice. Um, so when I went in, I felt comfortable. I didn't, it didn't strike me as different until a couple, couple people had said something like, oh, what are you doing here? Do you need help with that? And I was kind of like, I don't understand because it's not something, you know, I thought we were just past that. Like if you have a male teacher, you know, if a female police officer pulls you over, like I just, I don't, I didn't recognize that it was something until it was pointed out to me. Right. And then I, I think it got a little like, why can't I do this? Cause you don't ask anyone else if they need help and they're only doing it because you're a woman. But I think at a certain point you kind of just, you're like, okay, that, that is what it is. Yeah. That's uh well, growing up with seven brothers, boy, that'll, that'll prepare you for just probably about any, any <laughs> maintenance facility. Yeah. That you'll, uh, <laughs> that you'll get into. And it sounds like you, uh, I mean, the move to LACC with some, um, uh, with some strong female role models already in place there, that, that had to be a, you had to feel like that was a great fit. And uh, I'm assuming they, you know, both of them provided some level of mentorship for you as you kind of got your, got started. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time working side by side with Fiorenza. Her, Dan and I were on Paul Green's care for a long time together. So she helped me a lot. And Patty was super welcoming. And also just seeing Patty out there and what she was doing. I was like, man, that is what I want to do. I want to get on that tractor and I want to use that skid loader. And, you know, that was, it was inspiring to kind of see that. And then as I moved up into it, and I was riding around on the tractor and you would see the younger kids and they would all be like, that's so cool. And, you know, it is cool. It is cool. And it's cool for them to get to see it because they live in L.A. So it's a little 
And it was right. like, wow, wow, land. So yeah. cool. Here's a track. This is what a tractor looks like. That's you know right. what a, te- a Tesla looks like, not a tractor. <laughs> and then as um, Fiorenza and Patty moved on a little bit later, Lauren Lasoka came in and she's currently the assistant at Bel Air Country Club. But I worked with her for a couple of years. Um, and now she's at Bel Air. I'm at Hillcrest. And a lot of the members in these local clubs, they see us, they know us. So they're kind of, they're a little bit more used to it. When I got to Hillcrest, you know, I think um, the golf course in general, like it was becoming a more of a golf club than it used to be with this brand new, beautiful golf course. So it's nice to get to see it. And just in this area, like it's not, you know, they're kind of used to it. It's cool. Yeah. That's, uh, that's exciting. And those, some of those just little, you know, they're almost like small victories where Mm -hmm. uh, something that might at one point uh, in time have seemed out of ordinary to members or golfers or whatever becomes just the, the, the regular. And I, that's, that's actually a sign of progress. I I would, I would think. And so uh, LACC, did you consider any other um, internship opportunities? Um, And, and, you know, how did, how did your relationship uh, with them begin and then kind of uh, develop over time? So when I was getting ready to leave college, um, I did really want to pursue a graduate degree in plant pathology. And I still, you know, to this day, I really love plant pathology. I think it's so cool. But I needed to get experience and I was in a good amount of debt. So <laughs> when I was sending out my resume with no experience on it besides a lab assistant, uh, I needed somewhere that was going to give me the opportunity to show me how to drive a golf cart because I had never even been in a golf cart, used a backpack floor. I'd only used a push mower in my life. So when I sent out my resume, a couple of places kind of reached back out. um, And Russ Myers had called me the next day. And a big thing for me was I didn't want to go to a six-month internship right out of college and then come back to New Jersey in the winter. What am I going to do? So Russ had said they had the apprenticeship program and he knew I had no experience. He said, well, We'll show you what you need to know. There's a lot going on here and, you know, there's opportunities. So kind of just went for it, went for it with an open mind because I had no expectations of anything. And as I kind of progressed there, there was just, you know, there was golf course renovations. You're at a multi-course facility. So they're just moving stuff, blowing stuff up, moving trees, planting trees all the time. Um, And there was just different grass types, a lot to maintain. And I, kind of milked it for all it was worth every time they were like, do you want to do this? Yes. Yes, I do. So, um, it was, it was a great experience. Yeah. And they, I'm bored. The timing of that was, was, was with what was everything that was going on there. Um, was pretty amazing because I imagine you got to, you, there's not much you didn't get a chance to do in you in those, in those first few, uh, few years on the, on the job. Um, is there, is there one part of that experience that stuck out and you went, wow, I, you know, I love construction work. Or I like tournament prep because I know that you've had opportunities to, to do a lot of volunteer uh, work at, at professional events. Was there one thing that just sort of stuck out to you that might be your, uh, I don't know, a bit of a driving force now as you kind of continue your career? I definitely like tournaments. I mean, when we were, I spent a lot of time towards the end of my t- uh, years at LACC on the North Course and the expectation of it being a championship golf course every day and the attention to details and then going to tournaments and seeing a variety of different tournaments hosted, how they should be set up and what the grass types could be. And then being able to kind of take that over to Hillcrest and 
you know, now they just built a brand new championship golf course and catering to the clientele there and what you can do for them and creating the membership experience. So I think the construction part's really fun, but it gets old sometimes, yeah. you know, you know, it's good to be able to, when I went through the renovation of Hillcrest, we built stuff and yeah, a couple of years after you still have some stuff you have to do, but um, I know one of the things that LA was just like, it's project after project, after project, after project. And I think at a certain point, you kind of just want to maintain for a little while. So I think the tournament part of it is fun. We just hosted an invitational last week at Hillcrest and, you know, we really just got to make that golf course incredible. And it was cool because all the local clubs got to come out and they see what you're worth. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. And it's, it is funny because uh, in talking with Russ in, in advance of the PGA, it was, you know, for someone who's now done done the work at LACC and then he comes to Southern Hills and he goes through the process again. And his first impression of construction and when he did a project, I think at his first golf course was, I never want to do another project again. Like that. <laughs> and then I, I kind of laughed because you know, like here you are pretty much two of the two of the biggest, uh, most notable uh, uh, construction projects. And he, he argues, and rightfully so, that there's a, a difference between a just a construction project and what took place at LACC and what took place at Southern Hills. So there's, there's a lot more to it, but yeah, he's, I, I think, I think a lot of superintendents would agree. It's nice to simply <laughs> mow, mow greens every now and again, and actually have people on their, on their plane. So um, talk about your, um, your move over to Hillcrest. Were you uh, uh, at that point, my assumption is that maybe you were looking, okay, I've been in these roles. I've been an apprenticeship role here i've been a spray tech at lacc i'm looking to take that next step was that the just the the right time for you and and how did the opportunity at, at hillcrest present itself it was i was um you know i'd been at lacc for five years and i needed more i kind of felt like i wasn't you know i wasn't stimulated enough anymore i wasn't getting anything out of it that i hadn't already gotten so Hillcrest um, conveniently started a renovation and they were seeking out a new assistant and I applied for the job and they had the construction experience, had some renovation experience. Uh, they were putting in Bermuda grass, bent grass greens, which I had experience with and ryegrass rough, which was new for me. And, you know, openly was like, this is a challenge I'd like to have. And another thing is just, Having been through a renovation, why was a renovation, being part of a renovation important to me? And when you build something, you're building the golf course, like you have a different level of appreciation for it. And also like you just, you know it better. I feel like I know the, I know that golf course, like the back of my hand, I can fire off irrigation and I know where it is and, you know, just kind of getting to be, you know, we figured it out all together. We were like, here's this golf course. How do we mow it? How do we spray it? How do we, what, what needs to go on this ground? Like, how do we water it? So it was just, that was such a huge challenge. And I was like, so excited for it. And I'm so happy it worked out and conveniently worked with a fellow Matt Mullenbrook. He's also from New Jersey. So him and I get along real well out there. That's right. <laughs> Your islands in the sea out in Southern California. <laughs> um, so you, you had that, the, obviously the, the, construction to deal with there you also there's the timing of your move and i and i, I certainly this uh, this isn't unique to you and i we all went through a weirdness based on uh, the time of uh, you know the, the pandemic and things like that um you dealt with wildfires there you dealt with the time um out because of the pandemic which you and i chatted a little bit about before we started recording but um 
what were those challenges like for you? And and were there what are there any key lessons or takeaways from making it through to the other side? I guess on on both accounts that that you think that wow, I'm really gonna that was super hard, super tough, but I'm gonna be able to take some lessons that I can apply the rest of my career um, from all that. Yeah, it was, um, it's been an incredible couple of years. Um, the wildfires, it's part of it is like, I feel like you trade when you move from the East coast to the West coast, you trade nor'easters and hurricanes for <laughs> wildfires and earthquakes. So the wildfires have always been around, but I feel like once it got super close, you're, you have to be way more aware of it. And you are literally like, okay, you're outside. You can't breathe. Ash is falling from the sky. Like, Wow. We can't, you can't have people out here and you have to understand air quality is an issue and provide the masks. We had to coordinate clean air breaks when we were allowed to be outside. And eventually we had to send the team home. And, you know, at that point you're figuring out where, what can you get done? What can you, what are you going to keep where it needs to be? And what can we get to in a couple of days when we can get outside here? And the pandemic was adapting every single day because the whole world shut down and we showed up to work and we keep showing up to work. And every day the rules change and you had no idea what was going on. And our management team, you know, we have a, a good mix of managers and it, it's hard for me to like sit here and be like, Oh, it's going to be okay. But you have to, because as team leaders, you have to sit there and mo continue to motivate the team. Like we're out here protecting this asset and the grass doesn't stop. We had to serve lunches every day. We had to go, we would go up to the clubhouse once they kind of figured out that. Um, and we would go get the lunches, bring them down, serve the lunches to the team members. We didn't have time clocks for a little while. So we had to figure out, okay, now we're going to go back. We'll do paper time recording. And we had to have split shifts. So we took the managers and we, the team and we split the team members and we worked every other day for a little while. And it just, it was every day constantly changing. And then, once you were exposed and then this thing, if you were sick and there was just points where we were down so many team members, it was, it was, it was a lot, a lot. So I think you kind of learn, here's what we can get done, how we're going to get it done and how everyone's going to continue to be able to like have their rest because, you know, you get burnt out because you're trying to, you're like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. But it's more important that you have some of these things done that are going to, be worth it and then you know get to the other things in a couple of days and on top of it too we also had riots here and you know yeah. there was one day where we had to we had to send our team members home because how are they going to get home when these riots started and also they had to go home to their families because their families were home and right they want they need to be together so kind of have to at a certain point also put the safety of your team members in in front of them and that offers a different level of respect because they know that oh, they, you're not just showing up every day to, you know, mow the grass. Like we care about you and we want to do what's best for everyone here. So I think it, it, it taught a lot about, you know, just like team leading. You, you had to be there for the team every single day. And it was really tough. I mean, driving to work, there's no one else on the road <laughs> and you're like, why are we out here? And, you yeah. know, there was a some people that asked her like, why, why are we still here? And you're like, well, <clears throat> we have an asset to maintain. So th this is what we're doing. Like we offered them if they didn't want to be there and things like that. Like we didn't force anyone to do anything, but we, we have a really strong team. And, you know, between the managers and just how Hillcrest treated us during the whole pandemic, they provided for us, you know, they, they did everything they could. 
to make sure that we were safe and that we could come to work every day. And it was I think part of that too, is just knowing that if you were leading your team, there's still someone else up there that's helping you. So, right. you know, it, it made it, it made it easier for sure. Yeah. That, that must've been nice to know you had support behind you. So then you could feel like you could provide support to the people that, uh, that were, uh, that were, uh, you were working with. And I, I, I do imagine the traffic thing, especially in LA was <laughs> like super surreal to a city known for its traffic to not have yeah. vehicles. I mean, it was, you know, Kansas City's not a tiny little town, but compared to LA, it kind of is. And, um, I suppose you noticed it. And when I'd make my drive to Lawrence, periodically to get mail or whatever from the GCSA headquarters, I would certainly notice that it was thinned out, but it had to be just stick out like a sore thumb in LA. Oh, it was, it was apocalyptic feeling. I have to say (laughs) it was just absolutely insane. And then once you're driving around too, and when the um, riot started, there was no traffic, but they boarded up a lot of stuff because they were smashing windows so now you're driving down the road, there's no traffic and everything is boarded up. So you really yeah. feel like, <laughs> are we still here living? <laughs> Episode of The Walking Dead or something like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> so, well, you mentioned like, uh, you mentioned managing the people under you. And I know that, that the, the move you made and um, at the time of your move, did, did you assume the title of assistant director of agronomy or was that something that you were promoted into after you started at Hillcrest? Um, it's more so just how the um, our management team is kind of structured. There's two assistant directors. Um, Alex Oppenorth is the other one. And then we have a superintendent, George Rocha. We have an assistant superintendent, Armando Ramos. And then our equipment manager is Oscar Gonzalez. So we each have, um, we all come together and we work really well. But then each one of us has different things that we're in charge of. Um, Alex oversees the section team and he created that whole thing when he came and that was really Matt's intent. Like we need someone to come in here and create this. And he worked with George on that. And now we have 10 section team members. And then Armando um, really facilitates a lot of the operators and gets them through on their training. And then I oversee the tech team. So irrigation, spray tech. Um, but everyone is cross-trained to a certain point to be able to do everything. And that's how we can kind of get things done every day. Uh, how how was the adjustment to be to taking a more a supervisory role? Had you had any experience in that uh, prior? How did you kind of get yourself up to speed? And did you feel any pushback because you were coming in as a as a a, a woman in a what is an essentially a, a man's world? Did you ever have to navigate any issues with that in terms of managing people? So when I got into Hillcrest, it was um, during their renovation. They kept. 10 team members and then rehired through for the new golf course. So when I came in, it was just the 10 team members that had been there and they were all very welcoming. And, you know, I got to work closely with a lot of them because it was such a small crew. And as more team members were hired and came in, I was kind of already there. So um, I think it was a little bit easier for them to come into me already being there than the opposite, just because, it is hard. It is for some people um, a little bit different, but I think that just, you know, in the three years I've been there, you can tell there's just like been a little bit of a culture change. And right now we have uh, Julian Lutz and she's our intern. So and now, you know, she works on the tech team. So she's spraying right side by side with um, the other spray techs and irrigation techs. So it's even better to have two more. And I think sometimes um, 
it just depends. You have to understand how to manage people and their personalities. And I think for me, that's what I had to do. And, you know, I had a little bit of small group overseeing when I came from LACC, like, okay, you guys are going to do this sod project together or work on this to get today. But I mean, managing people, I went to, I went to school and that's where the, um, horticultural and turf grass management part comes in. Cause I took intro to marketing, intro to management, microeconomics, and that was my management part. So I had to, I had to figure out how to manage absolutely. And how to take my own personal, anything out of it and also just manage people by how they receive information and what, you know, how, how you can get the most out of them and keep them motivated. And it took a long time and I'm still, still working on it, but I did, you know, you do have to seek out professional development and, you know, Matt has been a great mentor for me and just working through it and every day I kind of get better. And I've learned in certain situations, like it's knee jerk reactions that you don't want to have. And it's better to just like, okay, let me go. You know, if there's something that needs to be taken care of or it's not going well, like you got to go seek out some advice maybe before you deal with it yourself. Right. Um, and it's just been, it's a, it's a, it's a learning experience continually. Yeah. I, I imagine. And you were thrown right into the fire with some, uh, no pun intended, um, with, with a lot of challenging things, you probably grew up pretty fast in that area. So we will take a quick break here, pay some bills, and then we'll be back with more uh, with Laura Beth right after this. We'll get back to this episode in a moment, but right now, a word from Bear, the proud sponsor of the GCSAA podcast. Bear is pleased to support golf course superintendents as they strive to maintain healthy, beautiful, playable turf, and the company is dedicated to providing new, innovative solutions that maximize turf quality along with technical expertise to help superintendents maintain their edge against hard-to-control turf diseases and damaging insects. If you're looking to up your insect management game, now's the time to do it with Tetrino a game-changing insecticide that provides broad-spectrum control of white grubs, annual bluegrass weevil, and other devastating turf insects, all in a single, complete solution that does the job of several insecticides. The affordable innovation of Tetrino makes it the perfect fit for any schedule, agronomic program, and budget. By making your first application of Tetrino in the spring, you'll be on track for beautiful, healthy turf all season long. For ordering details and to learn more, head to the web and visit es.bear.us slash Tetrino. Always read and follow label instructions and remember that not all products are registered for use in all states. Our thanks once again to Bear for their ongoing support of the GCSA podcast. And now back to this episode. Okay, we're back with Laura Beth Catterson. Laura Beth is the uh, Assistant Director of Agronomy at Hillcrest Country Club in uh, Los Angeles. And I want to kind of pivot the conversation, Laura Beth, to kind of your involvement in industry activities and in um, many of the women in turf women in golf, depending on how, how it's phrased, um, efforts that have been taking place over the last uh, uh, number of years uh, uh, in, our biz- in our business. Um, I guess I'll start off by act- asking you, um, and as an aside, I will say that you, in addition to those sorts of efforts, and I'm speaking of uh, you know GCSAA's la- Ladies Leading Turf effort, uh, Bears Women in Golf, uh, Bear, the uh, proud uh, partner 
uh, with this podcast. Um, but in addition, you've you've participated in uh, Green Start Academies uh, for assistant superintendents, the uh, New Farm and GCSA's Excel Leadership Program. You're you're a part of that as well. Why was involvement in these outside uh, things important to your development as a, a superintendent? Well, I learned in college textbook on how to grow grass. And then I went out into the field and learned how to grow grass and maintain grass. And that's the fun part. And everything else you don't learn unless you kind of seek it out um, as far as team leadership and management skills and also just your own personal work-life balance skills and those things. So I needed somewhere else to get those, those things. And being able to have someone like Cal Rao look through your resume and then send it back to you. And, you know, it's now like something much better and it's catered more to what you're seeking out. Like you can't, you know, you can't pass that up and going into Excel leadership, like being able to go and get a tour of uh, Kansas city soccer team facility. And then they were just in Chicago. Sadly, I missed the trip, but they got a, a tour of the factory. So those opportunities, you need those and you need to be able to meet other people and network yourself. And when you go and you're a part of them, you meet the other industry leaders and you meet people that you're going to work with for the rest of your life and you're going to cross their paths again. So seek them out and take the opportunities because they're most of the time they're free and they're offering, they're like, come here and take part in this two-day seminar and we will take care of everything and you will only benefit from it. And education is really important at Hillcrest and just professional development. It's one of our core values, professionalism. So I need to make myself better. I need to continue to make myself better. And when you get to go and meet with people like Bob Rehnquist and you get to have him interview you as a mock interview, where are you going to get that experience again? And being put on the spot like that, it's really incredible. And then also being able to mentor other people through that. Um, I like being able to continue to make myself better where I can't, I'm not going to get it from the grass. Right. Right. And, um, you're in your developing networks of people within the industry. Um, when you, when you take part in those things, uh, specific to the women in turf efforts and, uh, programs that you've taken part in, how big a part of, uh, establishing that network with, with fellow women in this industry from all around the country and developing kind of a, a, a support network, how important was that to you as you decided to kind of take part in those efforts? Oh, I think it, it, once I was, once I got to the Olympic club and was able to, um, work with all of those women for a week, I feel like it was something a lot of us didn't know that we needed that support. Um, you know, you have people around you and stuff, but when you get in another room, you meet other people and you find other outlets and other, I can call this person for this or this person really, you know, you get, you find close friends. Um, Madison Radzinski is one of the girls that I met at the tournament and she also is in Excel leadership now. And we're also going to the men's U S open this year at the country club and I'll get to see her. So, you know, I kind of ha- went to, when we went to the show this year, um, I kind of got to show her around. I introduced her to a lot of people. And I think for me, like I could tell that it meant a lot to her because she had someone that had been there through it before. So 
you know, I hope that now the next person that she kind of meets like that, she can create that experience, a little bit of like a pay it forward. And right. then, you know, when we all came together at the ladies leading turf event at the show this year, I mean, it was incredible because we all knew each other. So it's such a different experience than you sitting in a room. And then at that point, now all these other women brought their friends or other people that they know in the industry. And, you know, now I met 10 other women that I didn't right. know before. So, and, you know, some of those other women are also married to people in the industry. And then you meet even more and, it, you know, it just keeps going and going. And, you know, now I think a year or two years ago, I could say I knew four women in the industry and I might be upwards of like 60 or 70 now. And by GCSA records, that's, that's about 80% <laughs> of them. <laughs> so you've, it's really you've got great. about all of them covered. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> uh, how, how active has the ongoing conversation with those groups been? Do you, do you lean each other on each other for advice? You have a problem on the golf course. You have a problem in a management situation. Um, uh, are those conversations ongoing? And I imagine that if, if so, that support has to be kind of, kind of special to you and, and the other uh, women who are, who are involved in those groups. Oh yeah. I mean, um, I talked to Sharice Scarborough. I met her at the U S open and I talked to her a lot um, about everything. Cause when we were there, we talked about everything. So she's just a genuine friend and talked to Madison all the time. And recently, um, one of the other girls I met, she had a job opportunity and she was, it was a West coast or East coast to the West coast full move. And she was like, what do you think you did it? Like, you know, what was your experience? And I said, go for it. I was like, if you got it, just go for it. Like, why not try while you're here? And I had dinner with Lauren Lasoka, um, probably about a month ago. And she was telling me a couple of the girls that she met, um, they became really good friends. They planned a trip to Colorado and there was a couple of women in turf that were at the tournament with us and they were like, come stay with us. And, you know, they, how, how nice of they would offer for you to come stay with them. So it's just really been like, it is all very like genuine and it feels really good. I think all of us are like super happy to, you know, kind of be able to have each other. Like, you know, the guys all kind of get to go to the bar, sit around, whatever. And like, it's, it's, be, it's nice to be able to also have that group of people. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, in my, in my experience, that, that is one of the special things about this business. And I'm sure there are other businesses out there where those, those people who practice, whatever that job might be, have, have close connections and communities, and there's a feeling of, of support and giving back, but it, it just stands out so much in, in golf course management and that that is just flowed right into this growing movement um, uh, to support women who are, who are trying to make their way uh, in this business is, is, is super cool. I guess I didn't, wouldn't have expected anything else, um, but it, it is, it is cool uh, to, to hear. So um it, we 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 laughed a little bit about the uh, the number of uh, you know uh, women who are who are GCSA members and 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 this is without doubt a, a male dominated uh, industry and I, I say that as a middle aged white male asking you this question it, it is is a little uh, uh, different for me and I'm certainly aware of that but I, uh, I what what can male superintendents do to help and support women who come to them and are interested in a job on the golf course who may have been in your boat where their first uh, experience with the game was um, 
was their first day on the job. Maybe um, how can we how can we help to continue this movement and kind of increase the uh, uh, the the professionalism and the presence of women in the industry? I think it's advocating for the industry in general from all the different aspects. Um, you know, one of the things I found is you go to tournaments, everyone, you have a whole collection of people there at tournaments and even the first green events. Like I am so strong. I want to host one of them at our golf course for our membership, just to understand more of what we do. And also them, you, you expose more people of what, what you have. And I think that if someone's applying for a job, like, regardless of their gender, even, I don't even know if you can totally tell by on their resume, but you got to keep an open mind. Like most of the girls I've ever worked with. And I think most men will say this, will backpack both circles around you. Like, you know, they work really hard. The two, I had an, there was another female team member we had and all the guys said, we'll work with Kayla. She works faster than everyone. And she had, she came from the caddy program and she just, you know, wanted to work on the golf course, thought it was cooler. So I think a lot of times it's just like, you know, don't say no, like you bring them in. And if you see anyone and if they show some interest, um, even in different departments, there's a lot of the women that I met that were on the horticulture team in the golf course or in a flower department or something to that effect. And just being able to, you know, strike up a conversation and talk about it be like, oh, this is kind of what we do. And some people, if they already have that, you know, inner scientific want you know, they kind of want to go for it and they want to see what it's about. So um, I think it's just that it's there and going and, you know, Matt, my director, he brings his two daughters out onto the golf course and, you know, they get to see stuff. And I think it's really cool. Like his one daughter has seen him build two golf courses. So she's been around it and she, you know, I'm sure she goes to school and she's like, my dad, you know, builds a golf course. So even that it's just like small things like that. Because there's so many people that don't know anyway. Oh, you work in turf? How do you make the grass a different color? It's just very... <laughs> it's magic. Um, what would you say, uh, what, what, what would be your best piece of advice for a young woman who is considering um, considering a, a job in this industry? And I, I, you probably have a, a nice perspective on this just because of, of how you came to the job. But uh, someone's facing their first day on the job. They're getting ready for that early alarm clock to go off and get to the golf course at 5 a.m. or whatever. What would, what, what would your best piece of advice be for them? I would say you just have to go in with an open mind. And like it's going to be your first day anywhere else, anywhere I have been um, multiple tournaments that you show up. It's that first day, whether I was one of a female or one of the 30 that were there, I've never really come across an unwelcoming group on the golf course. So most of the time, I think they're just happy to have someone there to help and someone else that's to be a part of the team. And I think don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to, you know, say your limitations. You know, my biggest thing is I hate asking for help because I can do everything and I've had to realize, like, I need to ask for help and I need to, you know, understand my own limitations and just have to go for it. And if you are somewhere and you feel like it's maybe not the total right fit for you, don't give up on it because there's other opportunities and there's different, you know, how many different kinds of golf courses could you go work at and right. how many different things could you go do? So, you know, it's also like if you have one bad experience, don't don't turn off from it. So. You know, I think I've obviously probably been pretty lucky to have really good experiences, but most of the women I've talked to recently um, 
have kind of had similar experiences. Some days are tough, obviously, but most of the time it's pretty good. That's that. That's great. And you and I will I will tell you just from listening to your story, you set a great example for that that young woman who who might be trying trying this job for the first time. And uh, um, you've a good a good path to follow. But let's have a little fun here before we before we wrap mm-hmm. up. And uh, some just clearly quick hitters here. You can go into as much detail as you want, especially on this first one. But uh, who grows better grass, you or Daniel? <laughs> uh I'm going to say me only because I have uh, 41 acres of ryegrass and he's about 90 acres of Bermuda grass. So when he says it's going to be hot out during the day, I said, oh, man, hopefully your Bermuda doesn't die. So, <laughs> uh, When you do, you, are you uh, do you have a first home yet? Do you have a yard you have to maintain or anything? I'm wondering who's going to get uh, the duties on that. I don't know. We think about that sometimes too, but um, he said he'd be a stay-at-home dad, so he can mow the lawn. Yeah, he can. He can be the father of the turf as well. There. So, <laughs> um, well, you're you're relatively new to the game, uh, but if you could pick one golf course to get out there and and try and uh, knock it around a little bit, is there is there one golf course that, that sticks out to you that you'd you'd want to see and want to try and play? Um. I mean, I was lucky enough to volunteer at the 2018 U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills, and that golf course is just incredible. I just I couldn't get enough of it every single day. I just feel like I just stood there, and it was just just absolutely incredible. So I feel like if I if I could play some good golf, I would go out there and I would take it to Shinnecock. Yeah, that was a little bit of a home game for you there in yeah. Long Island. My dad um, actually was able to come to that tournament and um, he told me, he's like, that, that's where you need to go and I'll, I'll come and I'll, I'll live out on Long Island with you. <laughs> I think he really liked it out there. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad place out there at the end of the end of the island. Um, how do you, uh, what do you do to unwind away from the golf course? Um, Dan and I really like to explore. Um, maybe it's just like going for drives. There's a lot of really cool Canyon roads out here. And, you know, when you're in LA, you're not so, so far from anything. So, you know, we'll go drive around, go see somewhere, go, you know, drive down to Laguna beach or something, go get lunch and explore. And we also really like to cook. So we spend a lot of time cooking. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, favorite TV show. What's your streaming recommendations for our listeners? So obviously I'm a big fan of reality TV. I love some housewives, but uh, <laughs> one of the shows that Dan and I watched that we absolutely love is on the food network and it's called worst cooks in America. <laughs> and it is just so between the editing and just watching people that cannot do such bit, like they can't use a knife or a can opener. It is it's hilarious. It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. They, they can't use a can opener. Oh my, the things these people do is it's, you're just like, did you grow up under a rock? It's crazy. It's so funny. So funny. It is funny. Sometimes you've you watched that. And you're like, how do people get through life? How do they make yeah. it from one more from the morning to the evening when they can't do stuff like that? It's, it's insane. I will recommend since you're in L.A., I, I, this, this came to mind. And I also watched the season finale last night, a uh, winning time on HBO, the story about the rise and fall of the Showtime Lakers. I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm a Chicago Bulls fan in the NBA, but uh, <laughs> I found it really good. And it's uh, as, as someone who of an age who had some understanding of the uh, the early magic era out there. Um, it's not super accurate to, to real time, but it's very entertaining. They super well done. I really, really enjoyed it. So winning time on, uh, on HBO max. Um, and, and finally I'll ask you, where do you hope, uh, where do you, where do you see yourself 
in 10, 15, 25 years? Is there, is there, are there things in the industry that you want to do that you haven't had a chance to do? Um, kind of what do you see your, you know, you're looking back 15 years from now, uh, where do you think you are? Well, I always um, have one of my goals, like one of the, you know, host the U.S. Open. Like, I thought that would be like the coolest thing. Um, but, you know, as I get older, I'm not sure. I feel like I would, I just like, um, like operations and orchestrating things. So right now I got in Hillcrest Country Club has a scholarship program and the members, you know, donate towards it. And our team members, their kids will go to school for free. And I also... Wow you know, team members themselves are allowed to use it. So I got through and um, I can get a scholarship for my graduate degree. So if I got an MBA, um, just being able to open some more doors for myself, like maybe go oversee like a larger operation or, you know, maybe if it was being a GM, just kind of, I just, I like more all the time. So more and more and more and then opportunity. And I just, I don't like to be bored. So I just feel like the bigger, the better in a certain, certain sense, because also, you know, we do work a lot and at some point we would like to have a family, but, um, you have to, you know, there has to be a work-life balance there. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, you are, you're, you're certainly have, have shown yourself more than capable. And I don't think anyone would doubt that you could take on one of those, those jobs and, uh, uh, and super succeed at it. Uh, the, with what you have shown so far. So uh, Women's Golf Day, again, June 7th. We were excited to work with John Deere on a project to provide some content to kind of tie in the women in turf effort with that big day here in early June. And Laura Beth Catterson from Hillcrest Country Club in LA. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Really enjoy the conversation. I will be at Brookline as well for a few days the open so i look forward to meeting you in person and not over a zoom call um but again laura beth catterson thank you for joining us today thank you scott well we have made it through yet another episode of the gcsaa podcast my thanks again to laura beth catterson for taking the time to join us today to talk about her career and women's golf day 2022 remember you can read more about laura beth on GCM's website, gcmonline.com, as a part of a special Women's Golf Day partnership between GCSAA and John Deere. So head over to the website to check that out. We will be back very soon with another episode of the GCSAA podcast. But until then, a tip of the cap to our editor and engineer, Evan Bissell. Everyone at Bear for their ongoing support of the podcast, the nine members of the GCSAA Board of Directors, all my coworkers and colleagues at GCSAA headquarters in Lawrence, Kansas. And of course, a big thank you to each of you for subscribing, downloading, and listening. Till we meet again, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will catch up again down the road on another episode of the GCSAA podcast.